Hey, welcome. You're listening to My Teeth Need Attention. First episode of 2023. Recorded about 18 years ago. (laughs) On a schedule I'm trying not to keep. Uh, It's a mess. I keep saying I'm trying to do this more often and I keep not doing it more often. But, oh well. So this, yeah, this uh, interview is with Emily Robb from Philadelphia. We did the interview back in in late fall, I want to say. And, uh, yeah, it took me a while to edit it. I, I don't know. It, you know, things get in the way and then the holidays and stuff. So I figured I'd uh, get this thing out beginning of the year. Hope you had a good holiday season and your new year is starting off right. So, yeah, Emily uh, was kind enough to uh, say yes to the podcast. Uh, we met, like, once... Oh, we met a couple times in person before the interview. Um, I met her uh, a few times this year down in Philadelphia. And then uh, she came up and played a show in Buffalo with Bill Nace. So we talked about that. Um, Yeah, so we talked about, you know, how she started playing music and uh, started doing solo work. And then her work with various groups, including uh, Astute Palette. What you're hearing in the background here is from her solo record, how to moonwalk this track is called here comes the that's in parentheses arrows of fortune so yeah this came out on petty bunko run by uh, richie who happens to be uh, emily's partner and they play in the group uh rrr band as well so i'm gonna play this and i'm gonna play another track from this and then we're gonna get into the interview um and then after the interview i'll play uh, track from a Stu Palettes and RRR band and some more Emily solo from a uh, tour cassette that she did with uh, a split cassette with that she would did with uh, Bill Nace. So uh, yeah, buckle in and uh, hope you enjoy the episode. And I'll catch you on the other side.
I was just in New York. A friend of mine who hated uh who hated living in LA has also lived in New York and and in Philadelphia and she was like Philadelphia is so much cooler than New York. <laughs> so that made me that made me happy. Yeah. You know, we were down there twice this year and I've been there. I grew up in Scranton and uh for some reason we never went to Philly when I was young. Okay. My parents didn't like it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> It was, I mean, always, I, I could... it was always kind of a rough town, too. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. But, like, we never did even the the tour stuff. Like, as a kid, our school never went there for, you know, Constitution Hall or anything like that. Right, um, yeah. We'd go to, like, Hershey Park, you know. Which sucks, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's so... I don't get that. What's yeah, so it was weird. Of... So we never went there. My, my siblings, who are all older than me, would go to the Spectrum yeah uh, to see shows but like they were allowed to take me to shows but not to philly <laughs> yeah they were you like know, i i <clears throat> we'd go to binghamton for shows you know like the broom county arena you know. okay yeah i mean i i i think that philly like you gotta kind of be in in it like you could you gotta know people or you gotta be you know you know you want to go to a certain show just as a tourist i feel like philly is a little bit tougher or if you know if you're a touring band that doesn't know anybody in philly i think that can be really tough mm -hmm. uh but uh although i will say that the we have i mean the art museum the pma is great and there's the barnes museum the rodin museum there's there's like you know some really classy awesome mm -hmm. culture here um Mütter, the Mütter museum Mütter museum yeah. yeah love that thing yeah that yeah, that it uh, it, I don't think I can go back there. <laughs> it's just I I went once and it made me feel just really sad. Yeah, right. So <clears throat> I don't really want to see it again. But yeah, I went. It is a cool place. Jeez, when was that? Pengo was down there a long time ago, early two thousands. It might have been the Phi tour. I can't remember. No, when it wasn't the Phi. Pengo... 99, that was. Okay. Peng Pengo started in 97, I think. Okay. We were just talking about that recently. I'm, I was off by year. So it's either 97 or 98. I think uh -huh. 99, we went down. We didn't play. We went down with our friend's coffee. Uh, I don't know if you know that uh, band or yeah. not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so they were playing with Arthur Doyle um okay. you know old jazz guy and he would yeah yeah dave cross from coffee would bring him up because arthur was living in like the binghamton area at that okay. point so he'd like send him a bus ticket and arthur would come up and play and so coffee became his like backing band at one point they gotcha. were called the arthur doyle electro acoustic ensemble so they played okay. a show in philly and so we all were like oh let's all go down to watch him play i think pelt play with them uh -huh. And then the same weekend, like um, Godspeed and Ganger and I think Bartle Pond played that show at some Classics. club down on some some popular street. I always forget which yeah. street's there. South Street? South Street. Yeah. Probably. That's all right. Yeah. yeah. So we it was like a whole weekend. And uh, I remember we went to the Mooter and we we're like walking around it. And at some point I got nauseous. I got really like mm -hmm. queasy sick from it and i normally yeah, don't get it, like that and i just had like leave the space and sit down and i'm like i can't go back in there yeah um 
It was like, I think it was the fetal development jars. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. got me. Um, yeah. And, but then I went again with, my family a few years ago my daughter loved it yeah and that time i was fine even like uh the special exhibit that time was like civil war medical oh, and dental stuff oh my god and like the medical oh, stuff was like so just brutal. saw it was just saws you know was, yeah yeah it was horrible and whiskey. Um, yeah it was um yeah it was something else it's My son brutal. was There's... not into it at that point. Yeah. I, <laughs> Might I mean, be now, but at that point he wasn't into it. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine being terrified as a child. There, <clears throat> there's something that's already terrifying about seeing like human body parts mm. out, you know, like, like, oh, this is how long an intestine is. You know, you see like an intestine outside of the body and you're like, what the fuck? That is crazy. There's something already a little bit like, I don't know, not not necessarily scary, just like a little sickening about it. Mm -hmm. I, <laughs> I started watching. All... Go on. Oh, I was just going to like, I, I mean, I think it's uh, bodies are like disgusting, but they're also like kind, it's kind of amazing that they work. But there's also something just ho like horrifying seeing people that, you know, have had like body just abnormalities or diseases yeah, and yeah. you're seeing the parts that have just like caused them pain and i don't know they're and then yeah. they're on display at a museum and it just it, and categorized it was all yeah yeah intensely was, categorized yes like, yeah uh, it, it cataloged was i guess yeah cataloged yeah yeah i loved yeah. uh the largest intestine <laughs> yes else? yes the largest colon or whatever <laughs> yeah uh and then like the card catalog file cabinets of like things people swallowed and they're oh, yeah, you know and they're like sectioned part. off like coins <laughs> yeah fish bones you know like yeah. random shards of metal like just yeah. in, insane stuff marbles yeah. buttons yeah um, and the fact that someone did that um, so yeah my yeah, daughter totally. when she was in LA I kept telling her I'm like you gotta go to a museum it's down the street from where she was staying it's called the um oh now I'm blanking on it it's the it's it's very much it it felt like it was like the Mütter Museum. Okay. Um yeah. But it's the same kind of like sort of outsider museum collection type stuff where people like yeah. get obsessed with like collecting or cataloging something that's you shouldn't do. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah. sometimes it's around sound too so there was like a sound exhibit there that was like um just really like odd sounds of body parts or um, oh wow cool. yeah like the sound of blood or um, yeah yeah that the the noise extra guys were talking about it once um earlier in the summer and i'm like oh you got to go see this uh, yeah and she ended up going like her last couple days there and she was like it was awesome cool um, but anyway. that's awesome i i love the i love an outsider even even like i mean the barnes is no longer an outsider museum but the barnes in philly um have you been there by any chance no i don't think so it's um it's like the largest collection of um uh like post-impressionist art <clears throat> and uh it it was actually uh there's a movie about it because there's a whole a scandal surrounding it when governor rendell i think was was uh the governor and 
but basically uh this guy had i think he was a doctor and he he was very wealthy he invented something having to do with medical technology made a ton of money and started collecting artwork um <clears throat> like matisse Degas, like all these classics you know that are like crazy mm -hmm. worth so much money today and um and the philadelphia museum of art completely like shit on him and told him his collection was terrible because he you know he kind of wanted to work with them and maybe like show the art there and they were like no your collection sucks <laughs> and so he just he basically he had a mansion and he um he hung all the art on the walls in ways that regular museums might not um like that's sort of part of what is talked about with the mother museum how it's sort of special because he would sort of mix um there's like a, a lot of uh, iron like hooks and uh decorative things that he hangs on the wall with the art and um hmm. and he and he mixes artists together and i guess just has a unique way of uh hanging the art on the walls and then he um he opened his house for just for education so students could come and learn how to paint and draw and they would be you know in the room with these like massive you know incredible paintings um and then he sort of he left uh when he died he left the collection to um a school whose name i'm forgetting but it was an it was an african-american school and uh people were sort of like well you know there i mean it was worth so much money at this point and so it was it, it did go to the school at first and then i think some basically the city like stole the collection from <laughs> the school exactly yeah typical and um and so now there's uh so it used to be you know the museum still existed um in a in like the suburbs of philly and um everybody kind of you know like people were saying like while well, the building was falling apart the neighbors had issues with people parking everywhere on the street to come and see the museum and everything and so yeah that was sort of like governor rendell's excuse why why to steal the collection basically and uh so anyways now it's in um it's in a building on the parkway it's like a you know beautiful modern building there's like an infinity pool and um mm. and uh and now you can go see it easier which is kind of nice but you know it would have been i'm i was sort of bummed that i never went to the original museum because i moved to philly in 2008 and it was still at the original uh location and that's the barney the barns so it's b-a-r-n-e-s oh, yeah yeah huh. i gotta check that out next time i'm there yeah it is it is very cool um yeah hmm. despite the backstory <laughs> yeah right yeah uh i love how parking was the uh impetus for oh parking's like like parking's great yeah. everywhere else in philly right yeah oh yeah exactly it's complete mess. that's that's the one thing i don't like about the town like the last couple of times i've been yeah. there i'm like man what a pain in the ass like new york city's easier oh well yeah. maybe not but it's, yeah it's rough it's, it can be really it can be really tough i now live um uh in a 
area called Port Richmond and it's sort of like a it's it's way more of a residential zone it's kind of like away from it's it's really close to Fishtown but um it's it's like a little bit away from where everything is like Fishtown is insane because there were tons of sort of like um either empty lots or buildings that needed you know renovation or mm. you know just like a lot of empty space in Fishtown and so it just like opened the opportunity for development and so it just got developed so fast it's crazy how many condos there are and you know like at this point the main strip is frankfurt avenue and it's like it's like brooklyn you know it's mm -hmm. like yeah that's <laughs> that's what wild. i you describe know. it yeah. as to people yeah yeah, yeah uh, so because it's the same thing like the f years ago i was there and fishtown was you know warehousey mm -hmm. little rundown and then uh and, years and go by and i'm like and now i'm like oh it's brooklyn it's brooklyn too totally um yeah it, it's really wild like i i used to live in in a warehouse on front street which is what the l elevated train runs long and i used to walk down front street and you'd pass by like it, it would be a bunch of like used car lots with do you know chain linked fence around these used car lots and guard dogs and the dogs would come they'd be like Aah! and you'd be like oh my god i hope that fence keeps the dog away right. from me you know and uh you know now it, it's just like it's pretty insane um it, it it's just like a really crazy c coming together of things where there's um like all these new condos and wine bars and nail salons and tanning salons and all that and then it still is like the the like center of the opioid epidemic you know like just mm. a few blocks away it's like the the the, the center of the yeah. opioid epidemic in the united states I came, uh, was it last summer? Summer before. We usually, we go to Delaware a lot for vacation. That's where my family always went. So I take my family there. And so we usually kind of go through Philly. So we uh, usually, like when we're going down, we kind of break up the drive and we'll stay in or outside of Philly. And I usually go, I'm like, all right, I need to, I need to go to Philly Record Exchange. Like mm -hmm. you guys can stay here if you want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I usually like bomb over there. And the last time we were staying out, uh, in Melvern cause that's my daughter's roommates from Melvern. So gotcha. she wanted to like hang out with her for the night. So we yeah. stayed out there and I'm like, all right, I'll drive in the city. You guys hang out here. Cause it's going to be a pain in the ass driving in. Yeah. And the directions got me off the highway like on the school kill like earlier on so i didn't get stuck okay. in school kill traffic yes but i well, went through nice <laughs> i went through a part of town that was like holy hell like yeah it looked like it was bombed just bombed yeah yeah and i was yeah, i was actually surprised that it wasn't like developers hadn't come in and just taken it all over because it's probably cheap yeah. as hell but i'm like i couldn't believe it yeah and so i was talking to my niece who just graduated from temple last year and my nephew goes there now. And mm -hmm. she's like, yeah, I okay. think you're in your temple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so this last time I was there, we definitely drove through temple, but it wasn't this. I, I'm horrible with where I am in the city. Yeah. But that but that last time I was like block after block. And I was like, holy crap. Like, I couldn't believe yeah. how many buildings were just burnt out and bombed out. And then yeah, I turn a corner and I'm in Fishtown. I know. 
it's, like, it's yeah. And there's like, you know, all these hipster kids walking around, you know. Yeah. I was like, and, wait, and what happened? Like literally a corner. I, I know. It's it's really it's it's so insane. I feel like it's I feel like it's you know, like so many people don't understand like how you know like i mean sorry to get on this subject because it's you know infinitely frustrating and depressing but like our country is it 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 is i feel like it is like you're you're seeing the exact example of like wealth and poverty being as far away like the gap being as huge as it could possibly be yeah in philly and like so much of philly especially north philly is just like completely left behind food deserts no just so so poor like the houses are completely falling down there's a lot of drug problems it's like it's pretty wild and then i think about you know people like like my parents like my dad lives in maine my my mom lives in uh connecticut and and like they have never seen anything like that before you know like right, not right. To, i mean there's def there's a lot of poverty around them too but i i don't think they've quite seen it's like you see photos from other countries where you know it's like please send money you know people are starving and it's like that is also what it's like here. I mm -hmm. just think a lot of people don't really realize like how dire it is. Right. It's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah, we have sections of town. We're uh, Rochester's. A, I think we were voted one of the most segregated towns in the on oh, the East God, Coast. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's insane. Like the redlining that happened back in the sixties, fifties, and sixties and seventies. Well, it was still going in the eighties. Yeah. Um, and then like the way they built highways totally cut off neighborhoods from each other Ugh, um God. you know seemingly so intentionally you know yeah um and they're actually dismantling that kind of infrastructure now which is that's good, good but you know it's gonna take a while but food desert yeah. like we have you know wegmans is from here um oh i didn't know that <laughs> yeah so it was like it was local and regional forever and then i don't know about like 20 years ago they really started going nuts expanding outside yeah states but even here like they started closing down all the ones that are in this in the city limits um okay there's like i think there's one wegmans actually in rochester like the city limits right. of Rochester. and even yeah. then it's on like the east side so the east side is a little nicer than the west side uh-huh uh, it's like um, where the money is yeah i mean the east yeah the eastern suburbs like are the wealthier ones and stuff yeah um, but it's on it's just on the edge outside of downtown you know mm -hmm. luckily it's on a bus line but it's like they just closed all their stores all their local small you know they wanted every store to be gigantic and mm -hmm. they couldn't do that where they were that yeah. was the excuse they gave um, right right but it was really, really just, just like, you know oh, you're, you just want to be like amazon you know yeah pretty much yeah anyway let's get to <laughs> let's let's talk about music <laughs> okay sounds good so uh Thanks for joining me on the podcast. The podcast is called My Teeth Need Attention. It's a Dead Sea reference for those who don't know. Um, and I'm uh, welcoming Emily Robb from Philadelphia. Hello, Emily. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, so you're in Philly right now. Did you grow up in Philly? 
I didn't. I actually grew up in Maine. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I grew up on an island in Maine. It's connected to the mainland by a bridge, um, but it's a small island. It's got one high school on it. Um, it's got five towns, I guess, or yeah, I think five towns. Um, and uh, it's very like maritime and uh, touristy um spot like that's where they make their money is uh mm-hmm. tourism and fishing a lot of lobster um and it's where it's two-thirds of the island is national park it's where acadia national park is oh okay yeah where bahaba is that's <laughs> that's where i went to elementary school um so i lived there until i was 10 year round which is it's it's a pretty um remote place to live year round like a lot of a lot of people have you know like summer houses there like martha stewart (laughs) type of thing but to live there year round is um it's pretty wild everything shuts down like pretty much all the bars and restaurants shut down and uh and um it's very dark and it was it was very snowy when i was a kid so we were like i'm i'm like probably still an expert skier even though i haven't skied in years but i grew up skiing you know because that was what you do in the winter um and uh yeah and then when i was about 10 my parents split and i moved with my mom to connecticut and my dad still lives in maine so i still get to visit him there which is pretty awesome what what did people do in the off season like work-wise because like where most of the jobs at or were this was there still a bustling like um fishery kind of industry things were not definitely not bustling um in Mm. the winter um i don't really i mean i was a kid so i I think i didn't necessarily quite understand it but like my dad for example um was a landscaper so even just naturally he he his work was seasonal um so then he did construction um in the winter time but uh and like plowed you know like yeah yeah definitely yeah. uh but i think a lot of people honestly like i think a lot of people that own businesses there that open for the summer season don't even necessarily live there year round oh i see yeah yeah so um but yeah i mean i think fishing still goes on it's just a lot less um I, my stepbrother is a fisherman and, um, a lobsterman, which is incredibly hard work and kind of dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, but I should ask him some more questions about what he does in the winter time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's like, there's a town, so there's school teachers and, you know, there's like, I don't know, whatever normal jobs, there's like the tax person, <laughs> there's the library, there's, uh, I remember the penny candy store, that lady, she patiently counted every single, uh, you know, like, you'd be like, I want 15 Sour Patch Kids, and she'd oh, patiently count 15, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, and there's, you know, there's like some grocery stores stay open, um, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were talking. We were talking before we start the interview with about Delaware, the shore points, and I got to know a guy who just moved here. His wife's from here, but he used to work at Dogfish Head Brewery okay. down there. Yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, we just had to get out of." So that that's in 
uh, Milford or something. It's it's uh-huh. about a half hour away from the shore points. Okay. And he's like, we just had to leave because in the off season, there's nothing to do. And it's Delaware yeah, where it's like, nothing. it's not nice in the winter, yeah. but it's not yeah. wicked cold. It's just like gray and yeah, black. You don't even and get it, snow. Yeah. yeah. And then you get so few people there. There's really nothing to do. And he's like, it was just rough uh, when they started having kids. Like, it's just kind of boring. And so they yeah. decided to move up here because she's from here. And he just started a really great brewery in town. So. I'm oh, cool. psyched for that. So what's that called? Strange Bird. Nice. Yeah, it's him. And I think there's another brewer and then a food, a local guy who is running restaurants. So they kind of joined forces. Cool. Yeah it's, yeah, it's kick ass. I uh, so I, you know, John and I came down for that. <clears throat> the Petty Bunko Fest, you know, mm-hmm. in June, June or. Yeah. Yeah. And uh as I was sitting there in the loading dock area of that brewery, you know, watching the show, I'm like, oh, I got to talk to Strange Bird guys and to let me do this next summer. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah. I already like planted the seed like, hey, by the way, I was at this Philly thing and it was great and everyone drank beer all day. And Yeah. 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 It, it was really perfect. That brewery, Richie used to work for them when he was younger. So he's oh, yeah. known them for a long time and um. And uh, they had actually asked him if there's there's a little I don't know if you noticed the little um, like uh, what do they call it the shed uh, there's a little shed outside by all the picnic tables um, on the other side of the street from where oh they, yeah 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 and uh, they had asked him if he could work the the shed um, you know one day a week during the summer so he was kind of you know he like went there to train for that. Um, and he's kind of looking around and he's like, wow, this would be like perfect for this, you know, cause it's, it's kind of hard at this point. I was thinking about, you know, like there's a lot of kind of mid-sized venues that are expensive, you know, like it's not Mm -hmm. really that great of a setup for, for, um, the musicians or the, the bar really, because I, I feel like it's tough to get enough people in there to, to make enough money to, be able to you know pay like a sound person and a door person and then also have the bands make enough money um and uh and yeah i i i feel like especially since the pandemic philadelphia shows you know there's there are still shows going on at, at places like johnny brenda's but i feel like most people are are doing shows in way more like DIY spots even you know there's Mm -hmm. like a bar called Century Bar in South Mm -hmm. Philly that uh they don't they don't have a sound person the bands do the door which ends up being just so much better for everybody yeah yeah John yeah John and I played there um when we came down for that weekend yeah um oh yeah yeah um yeah I was I was before yeah yeah the night before yeah because I was talking to Clint Clint Takeda about coming down and he's like, oh, we're playing a show the night before. And I was like, hey, can we get on that yeah, um, yeah. to make it a weekend out of it? And uh, totally. so, yeah, he let us play there. And it felt like that might have been one of the first kind of shows they did there. Um, oh, okay. Or yeah. early on. I don't know. And yeah. um, it was great. Yeah. It, and I love so playing great. like small it. little joints like that. And yeah, the owner was great. He just was like, here's all totally. the money. You know, yeah. he was kind of doing the sound. Yeah, yeah, totally. He and was super uh, chill. Yeah, like he was so into it. Um, yeah, it was awesome. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Clint's bitter, bitter wish. I think it was. 
that was the name of the project that played that night wasn't oh, double wig wow i haven't even heard of that yeah it was him and scott verastro and it was a guy in guitar yeah. uh oh, i don't okay. know his name yeah oh cool it was you know kind of double wig sounding um okay you know clint's kind of certain sound yeah very somewhat heavy. menacing and somewhat <laughs> yeah. beautiful uh -huh. playing yeah yeah um that's cool but, i wanted to go to that but the the uh setting up the festival was a lot of work and we oh were yeah that kind of exhausted <laughs> yeah 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 um so were you uh back in maine were you when did you start playing music or getting into music was was it then or so, when you got to connecticut or yeah well so when i was young i always loved music um like i i think i've always been really naturally drawn to music like i would i would like for some reason I, i'm not sure why my mother didn't uh help me branch out but i had one cassette tape and it was annie the musical and I mean I as an adult I hate musicals and um but I I just played that tape over and over and like sang all the songs and I would I remember we were in a lobster restaurant and I we were in like a booth and I just I like looked behind me at the table behind me and then I just stood up and started singing to the whole restaurant you know <laughs> my mom also said I used to uh at one point uh, there was like a barn in the back of our house and the roof needed repairing and uh, some buds of my dad's were, were helping repair the roof and I would just go out on the lawn and serenade them. <laughs> like, you know, who knows if they liked it, but, <laughs> but I did it. <laughs> and, uh, and my mother, um, my mother ran a ballet school on the Island. So all the kids would come and take dance classes there and um she would have a live pianist and that i loved that i loved the piano in the studio playing it and then the, the pianist would give me lessons sometimes um and i just was was like totally loved it um and then a, a little later um like the pianist moved away my parents started splitting up like you know life happened i didn't mm -hmm. get piano lessons anymore but the school that i went to had an incredibly good music program um and they would they had a jazz band and an orchestra and like by the time i was eight i was playing trumpet which for a public school is like pretty yeah, crazy yeah yeah and i had already played done the whole like recorder and then violin thing so like you know like the school the the band teacher's name was Mr. Wayner I remember and the school would um would often went like they would do uh New England band uh competitions I guess I, I forget really mm -hmm. like what the term was but they would always win they it was just like a it was just a very strong music program and I absolutely loved it. I remember we would have days where like uh, you would trade you, it was like a buy, sell trade um, <clears throat> like instrument day for students. So all the families would bring the instruments and you'd get whatever instrument you were going to choose to play that year. And, uh, and so I was a trumpeter and I was like, I, I think I was, I was pretty good. And then, uh, and then I moved to Connecticut and there was no music program at the school that I went to for uh, the first year. And then after that, there was just, 
it just sucked. It was like all we did with, you know how you're supposed to sell chocolate for band? Yeah. Well, all we did was sit in class and eat the chocolate, which like you're not supposed <laughs> to eat chocolate and then play trumpet, you know? So, um, so anyways, I, I quit that. And then I didn't really like start playing music again until I was out of college. Like I would sort of doodle on the guitar a little bit. And then um, <clears throat> somebody who I barely knew, um, I happened to be visiting Toronto and um, it was like an ex of a friend of mine. We we like went to her family house and she was moving out of it and they were getting rid of a bunch of stuff. And she was like, here, have this guitar. So, and I still have the guitar. It's just sort of like a regular acoustic guitar. And so then I... Um, I had bought like a, a folk guitar book. I, I went to school in Nova Scotia um, for college and I had bought this like folk guitar and banjo book and I just started teaching myself guitar. And um, at this point in 2008, I was uh, living in Philly and I was working at, at a music school um, in Maniunk as the receptionist. And uh, the, the teachers, like if they had a break, they would just come and show me stuff. There was like a, a display guitar on the wall um, and I would take it off the wall and play. And my boss, my boss was always working at the other location. He had two locations and he would call and be like, Hey, so uh, it's probably not a good look for you to be playing that guitar sitting at the desk. <laughs> Cause I'm sure I was not good, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but I'd be like, all right, all right, I won't do it. And then I would still do it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's kind of, and then, um, I dated somebody for a long time, like all through my twenties who was, had gone to school for music, for guitar composition. So he taught me a lot of stuff too. Okay. So, so yeah, that's, uh, I kind of started playing guitar when I was like, you know, out of college. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so after college, so you start playing guitar and teaching yourself guitar, um, did you, were you playing solo? Um, like, were you thinking about playing out or you, did you start playing in bands, like meeting people that way or what, what was well, your first so, band or yes. kind of performance type thing? Yeah. So, um, so the person that I had dated through my twenties, we, so when I was in college, I, I was like always totally into music and but but never thought that I could possibly, you know, play or be good enough to play a show or, or anything, you know. Um, but I so in college, I took a lot of music classes just because I was like into it, you know, mm -hmm. like I I took um, not not playing an instrument, but it would be like music history or music in cinema. One class I took was entirely about Bob Dylan lyrics. And um, and so in one of those classes, I met the person that I ended up dating. So I, after I graduated, I moved to Philly for a year and that's when I started teaching myself guitar and, um, I sort of kept in touch with this guy and I ended up playing, I ended up going back for when he was graduating and playing like a drone show with him. And that was, that was my first show. It was like, there were four guitars and I was playing bass and we were just droning on the same mm. note. Um, and I, and I was like, you know, so nervous and, 
um, it was for some, you know, end of year project that he was doing. So that was my first show. But then, yeah, when I was teaching myself guitar, I was always like, you know, like, no, like, I'm just doing this because I like it. And there's no way I'm ever going to play a show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I ended up moving to Montreal with the, the that guy. Um, we lived in his grandmother's basement and I didn't speak French. I was living there illegally and I couldn't find any work. So we, we just like, you know, lived in his grandmother's basement for the year. And I, I joined his band, which was called Oman Ratu. So when I joined his band, I was playing, I was just singing and playing tambourine at first. And then I started playing bass um, and I played bass, um, so after Omen Ra 2, uh, we moved back to Philly because it was, I really like couldn't, we we like couldn't figure out how to work in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we moved back, we moved, he moved to Philly for the first time. He was a dual citizen and, um, you know, I had lived in Philly. So we moved back and uh, started a band called Lantern, which we had for a long time. And I mostly played bass and Lantern, a um, little bit of guitar towards the end um so yeah that that went on for a while probably until I don't know like I was probably 29 when it ended so um seven years ago I guess was when that band ended Mm -hmm. and then then I I joined yeah since then I was in like a lot of bands in Philly so I had joined this band called Maria's um and I played bass in that band and then oh and then I had a band called Louie Louie for a few years um and I was playing guitar and singing in that band and like you know write, wrote the music and everything um and then I didn't start playing solo guitar until really like I played a couple of shows before the pandemic and I wasn't even necessarily planning on playing much solo but um I was asked to go on tour with M. Mokhtar. <laughs> and so I had I had made an album, um, solo guitar album called How to Moonwalk. And mm-hmm. they heard it and liked it and wanted me to go on tour with them. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to pass this opportunity up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to get my shit together and make a set. And so wait, you, you know, didn't play what I'm going to do. You didn't play solo live before that? I had only played um, a couple of shows before the pandemic, Um, like two two shows before the pandemic. And then um, they asked me and then I ended up booking another show before the tour just to, you know, I was like, oh, God, I got (laughs) to I got to get this together. (laughs) So. um, So, yeah, that's kind of how I started doing it. And when the first couple of shows I played uh, solo before the pandemic, I was singing and playing guitar and then I kind of just gravitated more towards just doing like it's it's developed you know like I feel mm-hmm. like what I'm doing now is probably so much better than what I was doing on the MD Mokhtar uh, tour so um how many yeah, dates was been, that tour that was um there were so they were on like a month-long tour I did a couple of dates in the beginning with them and then a few at the end so it, it might have been six shows okay all together um, so not not a ton because the middle they were they were going on tour with uh 
a band who I, I, I literally, my brain has a problem with remembering the name. It just refuses to remember the name, <laughs> but uh, it's a, uh, anyways, I'm sure you've heard of them. They're like a, a pretty popular band. Uh, and I'm not sure why M they asked M. Dumoktar to open for them. Like M. Dumoktar, I think they 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 were sort of like really gaining momentum, mm -hmm. and maybe they didn't realize how big they were. Like maybe M. Du M. Du and the band didn't realize how quite like how big they were. Um, but they should have definitely been headlining that tour. Hmm. Was that? Um, I think I first came about your name. You did a tour with Rosalie, like yeah. a duo thing. Was that before this? That was, um, yeah, that was or like around the same time. That was right before the M. Dumoktar tour. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So she asked me, so they, it was Rosalie's songs and everything. And um, she asked me to be like the second guitar player. Was that her. band material or was that a solo? Like that, that was her, uh, band material it was like her record that she was um or had just released okay um so so it was mostly like all the all the songs from her latest record and uh and then like a couple old ones mm -hmm. so it was like full it was i mean so her she had sent me demos that are i think are beautiful it's just her with an acoustic guitar um and so I got to kind of hear like the band version and then also like more of an acoustic solo version mm -hmm. and try to figure out how to do it as a duo. Um, because the, so the tour that, that she had asked me to join, they asked her if she would play either solo or duo, but not full band. So she was kind of like, all right, let's try this. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> and, um, it ended up being totally great and we would like to do it again someday. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that that was really cool. Yeah, I remember seeing that, and then I think Maggot Brain did a interview with you guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, like right after, well, probably during that, and then it came out after that. Yep, exactly. Um, it was it was right around that time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I remember that happening, and then, uh, the Moonwalk, how, how to Moonwalk LP came out. Mm -hmm, yeah. And I tried to buy it, and it went out of stock very quickly. I, and it sold out the day that it came out. <laughs> it was crazy. I How does that, that happen? So I don't know. I didn't really. I've been I, running a label for a long time and that hasn't happened to me yet. So. Yeah, I honestly, I don't. I mean, I, I've been around playing music for a long time. Um, but I mean, I was like, I, I was really nicely surprised that so many people were were so interested in it. And, um, and like, you know, because it's like, Usually being in a band, you're like, well, I mean, Louie Louie had a lot of momentum, but it was sort of re reached different crowds. Um, but like, like, yeah, I don't know. I, I was I, I feel like mostly being in a band, you're like, you can't really have hopes. Like, what are you going to hope for? <laughs> really? <laughs> like, like, I don't want to, quote unquote, make it in the music business. Like, I don't, I don't sure. think that's really what I want. And I don't think that my music is really um, like applicable to that anyway, but like, but yeah, it's like what the only thing you hope for is to like, try to have a good experience making the record, have a good experience playing some shows and have like a few people interested and have it reach a few people and make some kind of an impact on them. And There's yeah, a... I was, 
There's a yeah, succinct guide to young people wanting to get into music right there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Like, you know, yeah. and, you know, when you're yeah. young, you're like, oh, I want to be a rock star. You know, it's like I, I know people in big bands and their lives aren't a ton of fun. No, <laughs> you yeah, know, like, no, it's a lot of work. Uh, you know, yeah. friends of mine were they're in Mastodon. They're two of the guys yeah. are from here. And, you know, their first year they were on the road um, 310 days. Yeah. Like oh that's God. all they did. So they just much. went around yeah. the country and then went to Europe and then back to the country and just not like nonstop. And they had like yeah. one record out and they just yeah. toured on it for 300 over 300 days in one year. Wow. wow. Um, that's you know, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, now it's they don't have to do that as often because, you know, the big bigger. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. pretty crazy. Watch what I you mean, wish for. I, yeah, totally. When I was I mean, when I was in my 20s, I all through my 20s i toured with the band lantern like we 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 did like tons of tours all around the us and canada and it was like it it was great i'm really happy that i had that experience but it, you know after after you get a little older you get tired you don't you your body can't handle it anymore you know drinking every night it's like you get to the bar you're exhausted and then like beer gives you more energy. So you drink beer and you make it through the show and then you're up late, you sleep on people's floors. It's, it's totally exhausting. And mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'm very appreciative that I had that experience and uh, I got to, I got to go all around the country and it's such a community, you know, like musicians all across the country. It's like, you got a whole community, you know, each other, you give each other places to stay you know when they come to town you host them when you come to town they host you they help book book shows and everything and it's like a really amazing awesome uh not capitalistic thing that mm -hmm. you're doing um but yeah as like getting older or or being on bigger tours it's a little bit you know it's like it's just different like being in a green room and it's like, yeah, it's nice because you're not and getting hotels or whatever. It's nice because you're not sleeping on people's floors, but it's it's totally like, I don't know, it makes you feel like a stranger everywhere. And mm -hmm. it's like not that exciting to me anymore because I've, I've done it a lot. And uh, yeah, it's just not it's it's uh, it's a very like specific like when you start feeling like. <laughs> wow this is really lame then you, you know like all right i shouldn't i yeah. shouldn't be going on these tours yeah <laughs> yeah it, it's, you know it's, and so yeah. yeah at the lower level it's fun because you make them you know for pengo we we all like have either families or day jobs and stuff so we we plan little things as vacations yeah. essentially you know right and then it's um, not all the time right exactly yeah um yeah we just do like long weekends here and there and um look for excuses to buy records so yeah yeah exactly that's 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 uh sort of the i think the phase that i'm getting into <laughs> right so um, how did um this probably ties into the lantern touring all the time um how did astute palette um how did that happen like as far as like the connection of david nance and philly folks so uh so Dave, Dave like had been touring a lot and, uh, and um, Richie and he were talking about releasing something 
which um like he had he was going to put out peace and and slightly pulverized wait right. i'm getting the names mixed up now because so there yeah. was sort of like the, <laughs> the demo version the demo that he one, sent, yeah yeah that he sent uh richie and then richie was going to put it out but then um i think uh oh yeah. god trouble in mind put trouble that in mind thank yeah. you yeah. yeah they he he ended up going with them um but but so like he and richie became buds through talking about that and then richie was booking um like a month long sort of like petty bunko kind of like or richie records sort of like at every weekend there was a show um at this bar called ortlebs and so one of the weekends he asked dave if he would come and play it and dave had already had a show booked at johnny brenda's um a couple weeks later for the dave vance band and dave was like well i'd love to play the this Richie Records, um, you know, festival kind of thing. And uh, what if we just like make a new band for that? And um, we'll just do it for the weekend, you know? And so we put together this band. Uh, Richie was like, well, you want to be part of it? And I said, yes. And then we needed a bass player. Dan Provenzano uh, from the Riding Squares was like the perfect person for it. Um, and uh and we just kind of got together i had a studio um at the time in this uh this building that used to be like a vocational school it's like a huge building that's like a city block a full city block and uh in the basement i had a music studio i've got like recording gear i have a tape machine and i was like well i'm just gonna throw up some mics um in case you know we end up with anything that's enough for an album maybe we can make an album but our main focus was like let's get some songs together for this show that we're going to mm -hmm. play on sunday and uh so dave flew into town i think his flight was delayed um so we really didn't have and i had to work uh i, I actually worked at a bar like on the rooftop of the building at the time so i had to work for part of it um so it was really like a whirlwind we didn't have a lot of time Dave had written a couple songs ahead of time and sent them to us so that we were kind of ready to go for those ones. And then there were a couple other ones that were sort of like improvised. Um, and one that I had like kind of written ahead of time. And so we ended up, uh, yeah, we like got it together. And before the show, we were like, well, shit, like we're almost done. We, we almost have enough for an album. Like, Dave, can you put some vocals down? So it was like time to load into the show. So Dan and Richie left and brought all of our gear and me and Dave stayed behind and we're like trying to quickly do his vocals. And he's like, just give me a 57. So I like, you know, <laughs> set up a 57. He nails it. Like he basically just did one take of everything. And, uh, and, uh, and then that was it. And then I, and then uh, after that, uh, you know, like Dave flew home to Omaha and uh, Richie, and Dan and I got together for another night to add some like, you know, percussion sounds and like do a couple other things. Um, and I recorded my own vocals on a couple songs and like, and then that was it. The album was done. And we've, and since then we've played one other time we got together in Montreal this past and summer. And that's it. And that's it. And we, yeah. Oh they, yeah. I saw that you had that show up there. Yeah, and we got like a day to practice um, ahead of time, which was nice because we hadn't played together in years. And uh, 
and that and it was a blast total blast <laughs> i mean everybody in the band is like very capable so mm-hmm. um it's not you know like everybody can pick up a song really fast and also improvise like I, no no one doesn't understand music in the band which like i don't even yeah. mean that as a bad thing i've played with so many people that don't really like understand music traditionally which is totally awesome um but like for the purposes of this band it kind of works because everybody can kind of like pick it up real quick yeah yeah it's a good it's probably a good combination too of both that and the flexibility of improving and not being freaked out by that you know yeah yeah exactly yeah Um, yeah yeah because that that theme comes up a lot in this uh uh podcast is um meeting people who are either classically trained or just and terrified of and really can't yeah really can't handle like that's all i do really yeah Um, yeah i mean i nuge and i so nuge is in pengo he's the modular synth guy you know the scientist um we had we had a three-piece years ago it was math rock band and then Mm -hmm. me and him uh started band after that and it was like loud duo like drums and bass um so we write songs that way but we still would improv in the song or I'd have to just figure it out because he would go off somewhere. Um, yeah. Yeah. But like since then, everything I do is improv. Like I literally yeah, will it's... just show up. I'm like, I don't know. Let's figure it out. You know? Yeah. Well, that it's funny. Like, so the guy that I was saying that I dated through my 20s, um, his name is Zach Fairbrother and he still plays music. He's got a band called Gosh, um, G-O-S-H, I think. Um, but anyways, uh, he he would always say like and he was really cool because he like he was trained but he was totally like he i mean he loves rock and roll and he was totally an improviser mm-hmm. um and uh he would always say like man like i gotta get you know like i have an assignment and like you gotta get the people in your program to play on it but like these people just don't know they're terrified of improvising like yeah. they can play you know, classical jazz, they can play the hardest stuff, but they just can't improvise. They're mm-hmm. terrified. <laughs> and, um, and like, that's the other thing, like the band that I had Louie Louie, um, it was sort of like a, like, um, like a garage, garagey girl group type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was with all people that, um, hadn't played before, which I thought was so, sort of going to open the opportunity to just be like, you know, make weird sounds, but it didn't end up really quite being like that. But, um, the like I just started you know like we we got so many opportunities um which I was grateful for but it was sort of like the band sort of like got all this momentum and I was sort of like wait but I don't know if this is really what I want to be doing um because like we we just ended up having to play the same songs over and over and it's like I think about that for tour you know bands that tour all over and that are like, you know, they've got like hit songs that the crowd's just like, you know, play this one, play that mm-hmm. one. <laughs> and like, I don't want to be, you know, like, I don't know why I feel this. And I feel kind of like an asshole. But when I see when I'm at a show and like the the crowd is like, you know, goes wild for the band's, you know, like song that they've heard before, or the hit song or whatever. And they start mm-hmm. singing along. I'm like, oh, God, I feel bad for the band when that happens. <laughs> me too. Me too. I feel yeah. I, you know, it's that. And so I've taken my daughter to a couple shows, um, you know, over the years when she was getting older and like going to a show where everyone in the crowd is singing along with the band for every song, um, drives yeah. me nuts. Yeah. Cause I'm like, well, you came to, 
hear this band play why the hell are you screaming the lyrics next to me like you can do um, this at home yeah, right it's so crazy i i don't know if i've really ever been like i mean i've been to see neil young um but even then like people didn't really sing along because the i saw him twice one time the first time was with crazy horse and he just like jammed for so much of it which oh, it was it was so awesome but you know people aren't singing along while he's jamming and then um and i did see and patty smith opened for him that was fucking awesome but people wow. weren't singing along to that and then i saw him play solo and people weren't singing along to that because it was kind of like quiet you know it was right a quieter right. show but other than <clears> that i i feel like i haven't really well I guess I saw the Rolling Stones and people did sing along to that, but it was, but I, as far as like big shows, uh, like, I don't think I've really been to anything, you know, like something like Beyonce or, or like, uh, I don't know, something that people would sing along to. I, my sister recently went to see, uh, Carly Rae Jepsen mm -hmm. <laughs> and she sent me a video and it's like, I've, I've like never really been to a show like that, <laughs> you know, where there's like a massive crowd and everybody a concert. sings a lot. Yeah. True yeah. You haven't concert. been to a concert in a while. I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just going to say there was a, some festival that we had to play that sucked. And uh, the headliner was uh Weezer. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, Weezer, Weezer. And uh, well, it's my cat. Um, And it was, we ended up, go like climbing up the side so we were up like above the stage looking out at the crowd and it was just like a sea of like yeah crazy drunk people singing along so i i guess i have been to a show like that but yeah i actually yeah, i took my daughter to see weezer because panic at the disco they did a co-tour okay um, like one wasn't opening for there they kept flip-flopping and we went to see him at this outdoor venue, like east of the city, and um, yeah, yeah, that was fine. Um, but the yeah, Panic at the Disco. Do you, are you familiar with that band at all? And I, you know, I'm gonna cut I've all of this been... out. Of... <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I even know how to describe him. But the guy does this thing with his voice. Um, it's like his, it's his thing that he does. I don't okay. know even how to describe it. The it's like falsetto kind of like he does a falsetto thing maybe or something. Okay. And every time he does it, people it's kind of like, you know, Whitney Houston do used to do that crazy or was it Whitney? No, it's a. Yeah. No. Yoko. <laughs> <laughs> Not Whitney Houston. Um, oh, God. Now I'm forgetting. But, Mariah Carey. Yeah. Mariah Carey. You know how she oh, would do that like high. squeaky thing, yeah. right? So he does this thing whistle, where it's like this tones. ultra verb, uh, uh, high end vocal thing. Yeah. And like everyone cheers for it. You know, yeah. it's like yeah, watching it's the... just like tricks. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. it's kind of like the slam dunk, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's totally. a lot of other parts of basketball besides the slam dunk. Right. I know. Running. I know. It's really funny that you're and it felt like it's not music. Like, I'm like, what what are we yeah. doing? Like, this is odd. You know, it's like acrobatics or something. It's really funny that you're talking about this because the other night me and Richie were like, wa we like watched a Eddie Van Halen like solo clip, you know, <laughs> we're laying in bed being like, 
seriously, this fucking sucks. Like, this sounds like shit. You know, like, like I, I am, I am a Van Halen fan. You know, mm-hmm. but I mean, I'm not like a super fan. But like, I, I'm down with like, I really like classic rock in general. Mm-hmm. But so, like, it went on for so long. And it's like, wow, it's a, it is amazing that you can do this, but it still sounds like shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, it's yeah. Virtuosity, but no feeling whatsoever. It's like, yeah. go, go to a music, you know, store and you hear dudes oh, totally soloing like crazy, but they don't play in bands, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, totally. they have 20 guitars at their house. They don't play in bands. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So recent projects um yes i've been noticing this so this rrr band yes which i find the name great because you know about rr records right up in massachusetts yeah i'm wondering if uh, so ron lassard is like kind of one of the godfathers of noise uh american noise he's an older dude he's been running rrr records forever so when i saw this rrr band come up i'm like oh that's that's funny and then i'm like I wonder if they don't know who our like Ron is. They call it That's records. So funny. Um, oh my god! Okay, yeah, he's a, I'm he's looking a, it up. Right he's now. a funny, great guy though. Um, old, older awesome. dude. Yeah, like influential in the noise American noise scene. Um, from the earliest days of that. I'll um, I'll ask uh, the other dudes um, if they know about it. Yeah. So that's about you it. and Richie, mm-hmm. and yep. who else is in that band? uh ryan davis okay who who um has a label called sophomore lounge he's uh oh okay yeah he he was living in louisville but now they live just across the river in indiana and he is also the one that um is like with the help of all his friends uh made he did cropped out this like the best festival oh yeah 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 every year i keep I keep thinking of going. John went there once or twice. Um, uh-huh. I think that's when David Nance kind of came into our periphery because he saw him play there a couple of years ago. I think it was there. Yeah. Um, maybe the year Trod Gross played. Okay. Yeah. I was there yeah. that year. Yeah. Yeah. And I think John might have went the year before that too. But yeah, yeah. it's something it's... I don't want to go to. But I don't know if there's going to be any more. Oh. <laughs> I know. I I shouldn't have said that out loud because okay, hey, we take can all out. hope. Yeah. <laughs> um. It it so, was really like the most special festival. You know. Yeah. I don't even like festivals, but this this one I love. They could be daunting. Yeah. 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 So how like uh, is that project kind of just like a one off thing? Uh, how did you record? Did you just trade stuff, or were you in person? So it was um it was during the pandemic, and it was sort of like just uh maybe like a year almost a year of the pandemic had happened and uh ryan wanted to do a little trip as safely as he could and he was playing a show in new york um with malcolm mooney and um the the ensemble i don't really know what they were calling it at the time but um but like ava mendoza is in it and there's there's a bunch of really awesome people that are in the ensemble so ryan was going to open that show in in new york at union pool and he was like you know i want to do a little trip like i've been stuck at home like let's just be safe and like we'll see how it goes Mm -hmm. so he came and stayed with us for a couple days because he's like a super old friend um and and ryan actually put 
my old band lanterns records out oh okay so we have been buds for like a long time so he um came and stayed with us and we went to my studio and and we just decided to jam and he just took his cell phone out and press record <laughs> um and uh and that's how that came together it was really um you know we just went in for a couple hours and like you know played and we didn't really have any expectations at all he was just kind of recording it so we could you know hear it back and then he listened back and was like guys this is actually really good i think we should do a tape mm-hmm. and then we agreed and um i sort of like you know edited it and uh and we made a cassette of it and um so hopefully we'll do more i mean we will we'll always be like in each other's live somehow even though we live far away um so we were talking about like maybe next time me and richie will go out there and i'll bring a couple mics and we'll record again so yeah it's sort of the same thing with dave where it's like well they he lives really far away but like (laughs) when we can we'll we'll try to do something nice yeah um and then uh the i think it was last weekend or so dance satan dance yeah Uh, yeah yeah yeah, dancing. Is, is that dance. the first show of that group? Um, no. So it, the the band is like Mark Fian and Cam, um, who was they were both in Taiwan Housing Project together, um, okay. which is how they sort of I think became buds. Um, but it's basically like their project, and I think Mark mostly writes the songs, and uh, and he I think his idea is to have sort of like a rotating cast of people. Um, oh, okay but like we're not really sure so i think they had played like i saw them play before they even had a name um and then they played on the radio once and then i think this was maybe just the third show um and myself and ashley burrows um from heavenly bodies uh we played with them so ashley was playing bass i sang um no guitar or anything um or i mean mark played guitar cam mm-hmm. plays drums and um it's really fun and uh and so i think we're gonna play together more i'm not really sure like how I, it's sort of like loose with with like a rotating cast of members mm-hmm. um so yeah that's pretty sweet yeah you you were in a band with jc at some point i was, was yeah yeah storks i played drums in that no. band yeah storks Storks. yeah yeah Yeah. yep i was with jc also richie was in that one um ken brenninger from oh yeah from blues yeah. ambush yeah from blues ambush yep and yeah i met JC ken i met ken at the record store um a couple of years ago on my, one of my trips to delaware and then i like drove in there and we got talking because he was working the thing and somebody i forget um uh max maybe mm-hmm. it was either max or jc like one of them i arranged like they were buying copies of records from me um okay probably, cool. like the comp or something i did and uh-huh. so I, I brought him by and Ken was working. So I like introduced myself and we got talking and then he mentioned, oh, yeah, I'm in a band called Blues Ambush. And yeah. at that point, like I couldn't find any cassettes or any, like <laughs> everything was gone or just online. Um, yeah, yeah. But that's when I came across so that band and Heavenly Bodies was that trip. Oh, cool. Um, and I downloaded it. You know, I bought a couple of Bandcamp things and then I was able to start tracking down tapes and stuff like that. But that's awesome. Um, <laughs> they are actually about to release uh, another cassette um, on Petty Bunko on Richie's label. Oh, nice. Blues yeah. Ambush. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Oh, great. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. 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 I think the last flyer I got 
in one of the orders I got from Richie had like a few things listed. Next, and I'm like, yeah, ooh, Tony Pascarillo yeah. says the eye. Oh um, yeah. 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 That's coming up. And then also um, another band that I, so other, other projects that I um, have been working on, Rosalie and I recorded um, two guitar thing together. Um, and that like, is still i gotta edit it there's like so much material to sort through mm -hmm. <laughs> but hopefully someday that will come out and then also um rosalie and chrissy Badeline and i um chrissy Badeline from like headroom mountain Movers, yeah, yeah the three of us uh made a record together and um that one i'm pretty psyched about and we all kind of traded uh instruments there's um there's like synth and keyboard guitar bass Wow, that's awesome. Um, and we just sort of spent a day. It was while Rosalie and I were on tour. We had a day off. Luckily that we stayed with Chrissy. It was like in the right area. It was amazing. And um, we sort of just like huddled in her basement all day and recorded a record. How did, uh, have you known her for a while or? Uh, Chrissy Badeline? Yeah. I have, yeah. She's like become a really good friend because um, my mom lives like not too far from New Haven. Oh, and, right. Okay. Or from now, now they live in Springfield. Um, so, but so I would, I used to teach um, for a summer camp in Connecticut every year. I was like, you know, the music teacher for the summer camp that my mother, my mother like runs a program mm -hmm. um, and the summer camp was part of it. So I used to like, I would go and visit them uh when i was teaching summer camp um like that whole crew in new haven and just like touring i i've uh we've just like somehow spent a lot of time together <laughs> so and and my family i have a sister that lives um in northampton and my dad lives in maine so sometimes when i'm on the way to visiting family we'll stop and stay with them nice yeah yeah i came across that new haven scene oh god when was it one of the early Headroom records. Oh, yeah. It was when their Trouble in Mind record came out. The, yeah. The record on Trouble in Mind. Yeah. I was like, holy crap. Like, that thing blew me away. Totally. Because um, I'm a huge Bar Pond fan, and it was somewhat mm -hmm. similar-ish, you know, American Psych kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And then I started tracking it down. Then I got to know Stefan Christensen, and we started, like, trading stuff and talking a lot and, yeah. and dove deep. <laughs> They're all so, so cool. Yeah I, yeah, I love all of those people. <laughs> yeah, we played Pengo in 2019 when our, our long weekend tour that year, um, tour mini tour. Uh, we played New Haven the first night and uh, hung out with Stefan and um, Rick Amante. Rick, right? yeah, Rick, yeah, yeah. Um, Rick is amazing. Yeah, I mean, so good. Dan, Dan is incredible. His drawings are, his paintings and drawings are yeah. amazing. His house is filled with them. So. Like being in his house is amazing. He, yeah. He I haven't met him it. in person yet. Yeah. Oh, wow. He's very cool. Yeah. yeah. What, um, yeah. what releases do you have on the horizon? So I, these projects um, you're working have, on, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I have, uh, another solo record that, um, I'm actually gonna, I think I have everything that I want to record for it recorded. And, uh, I am actually going to spend today sequencing it. <laughs> cool. Um, so yeah, that will be coming out hopefully by spring, but who knows with the whole record mm. pressing climate. Yeah, but yeah. That yeah, that is the big one on the horizon for me, and um, and then the one that I was talking about um, with 
uh, with, with Chrissy and Rosie, I think, I'm not sure, but we might be called high dusting. <laughs> um, that high what? Dusting? High dusting. Yeah. Wow. And that might be, um, we're not sure when, we're not like quite done editing it. It's like we're, it's a group effort. So it's tough because mm -hmm. we live in three different states. Um, so that one will hopefully be out soon. And then, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, you know, we'll we'll see what else happens on the horizon. Yeah. Maybe we'll record stuff with Dance Eight and Dance. I have like a pretty nice recording setup in my house. Um, so I'm, you know, like if they want to record here, I'll record them, and maybe I'll be on some of it. Maybe not. We'll see. Mm -hmm. And uh, awesome. yeah, yeah. But the big one is my next solo record for me. Yeah. And what about uh, hitting the road at all? Do you have any plans for shows? Uh, um, so I think uh, what's kind of next on my agenda is getting a job because I haven't really had a job besides uh, music all summer, which like makes a little bit, but not really a lot. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I'm not sure. I, I think I'm going to try to do something when the record comes out in the spring as opposed to something this the winter. Although, yeah. I, Driving around may, in the winter is not a lot of fun, but totally, totally. But I may do a tour down to Florida and back at some point in like February ish, um, because Richie's parents go to Florida. They're snowbirds. They go to Florida every year, and so we were talking like instead of flying, let's just do a tour down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so so that I might be doing that. It's I haven't really started booking it yet, but um. But yeah, we'll probably hit like, you know, Richmond, the crazy Doberman crew, um, maybe Atlanta. Um, I've got a friend in Orlando. Uh, I'm sorry, Miami, um, mm -hmm. who uh, her name is Autumn Casey. And she I think she's just been going by her by her name. She's really cool. Um, she's she's done some awesome stuff uh, in the past. So, yeah, you should look her up. Yeah. Autumn Casey. February. Hmm. Yeah. INC might be going on at that point. Do you know INC? I don't think so. International Noise Conference. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh. yeah, our, our buddy Rap Bastard has been running that for, oh, man, a long time now. In it might, Miami. It might be 20 years. Yeah. And it's always oh, around, man. I think February might be too early for it. Because okay. it's always around spring break. Spring break for, like, most high schools in the Northeast. And he gotcha. always he books it the week before or week after that because okay. the air, the airfares during that week suck. Yes. <laughs> so yes. he books it before or after. So the airfares are cheaper for people because, you know, sense. it's like a week long thing. And I don't know, like 30 bands play every night. Okay, um, cool. You, you know, you play like 10, 15 minute sets and stuff like that. All right. Um, well, hey, I haven't yeah. really scheduled my thing yet, so maybe I'll I'll try to do it at the same time. Yeah. You've been to Miami before? Or... I never have. I yeah. really want to go because uh because I've never been and it seems yeah. really cool. I've toured a lot through Florida for some reason, which honestly, touring through Florida is like I actually think it's awesome. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I mean, they're the shows have been super unhinged, like a little sketchy. <laughs> like there was one show where this guy like might have broken out into a rage and hurt a bunch of people but luckily he didn't um but yeah it's like uh florida's nuts <laughs> yeah <laughs> My, miami's something else uh he lived yeah. up until just recently he lived in south beach he bought okay. a condo there back in the days of like it being the murder capital of the world so no one lived right. in south beach 
Yeah. Um, and then since then, you know, it's him and supermodels who yeah. own places and like rich people. Yeah. Uh, like uh, Versace lived two blocks oh away kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we would go and play like totally grimy, weird noise sets. And then you're walking around South Beach, like it's totally so weird juxtaposition of, I love, uh, I you know, love that. yeah, of culture. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was pretty insane. He knew all the places to eat like really cheap food. So you weren't yeah. spending a ton of money and cool. Um, yeah. And the place Churchill's, which is on the mainland um, in like little Haiti part of Miami um, yeah. is a great place. And there's a record store. I think sweat's still next door. I'm not sure. The great record okay. store, great crew run that. Cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah That's a, what's the record store called? Sweat. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, and Los Noobs, Los Las Noobs is a band that's uh kind of revolved to the to the women who work there or in the band. They're really good. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna kinda, write that down. Yeah, kind of like I don't know, punk ish. Yeah, mm -hmm. punk, sure. <laughs> Okay, cool. Well, yeah. sounds sounds good. Yeah, N-U-B-E-S? Yeah. Okay. It's Los or Los? Hmm. Okay. One of the two, I'm sure I'll find. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah, that's that's exciting. Um, And then I, I'm hoping in the spring, I'm hoping to go to the West Coast because a few people have asked, reached out and asked if I would play out there i haven't done a west coast tour in like so many years so because mm -hmm. it's you know you got to get a plane out there and yeah you would thing. fly out there and just do the I coast i think so yeah. Yeah, yeah i think so i mean i mean omaha's on the way just saying. i know yeah i mean hey maybe i'll just do a whole country tour <laughs> indiana <laughs> omaha there's right? a lot You're, of good places there you on go. the way yeah people yeah. i want to see between omaha and there make. i don't know vegas or something Denver. yeah yeah, and yeah. got some weird, weird scenes going on usually. So, yeah, yeah. You, um, real quick, I, I did want to mention one thing. I don't need to keep this in there, but the solo, the solo work you do, is there, um, an influence behind that? Like, was there something where you're like, oh, this is, I'd like to do this solo. Like, yeah. when, when you talked about standing on the back of the booth belting out Annie yeah. songs. Yeah. I thought because I was going to ask, like, all right, what made you start doing solo work, especially knowing that you were in bands for a while before that? Uh -huh. um, because some of the I I think I mentioned this to the Heavenly Bodies guys, um, like when you start playing one of those, like there's that track I saw you play, I think, in Philly and then definitely in Buffalo. Um, it's just kind of a blues, you know, riff. Yeah. And I'm like, I was nervous for you. Right. Yeah. Because it's, it's um. <laughs> it's stand it was standard right and i'm like yeah. wow that's, that's kind of ballsy to just like start cranking out a blues thing and yeah. then you and then you morph it into this thing where you're like holy crap like you know it got noisier and noisier and i think ashley might have said that you did a reverse of that at a show that she saw where you started noisy and then it got sort of clean and standard at the oh, end cool. okay um, yeah was yeah i mean and there might not have been an idea behind like, I want to do the solo. Like I play solo. And I'm like, the reason behind it is like, I don't know. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I, um, I feel like there, there's definitely influences. It, it was never like, uh, it was never an idea for the project that was like, I want to do a project that sounds like this. It was just kind of like, 
I um I want to explore playing solo like I mean playing solo is like crazy self-development you know Mm -hmm. like I feel like I learned I've learned so much from playing solo um and um and I played in bands my whole life so it was sort of like just something different and and I kind of just went with like where my playing was taking me and I've always like I'm I love rock and roll like I love like the like building blocks of rock and roll mm-hmm. like Chuck Berry Bo Diddley like 12 bar blues kind of stuff and I think it's just like I don't know why but I just sort of naturally play it um like I don't really mean to be a blues player um but everybody is like wow that's great blues guitar and it's like you know a little bit embarrassing for me I'm like well I'm not not like necessarily trying to be a blues player you know (laughs) um but I'm also just kind of like trying to be honest and like just do where 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 it's taken me and like I spend hours in my basement just playing and um and like it just sort of naturally develops itself you know and it, it definitely like I'm I'm definitely influenced by what I'm listening to um and uh so yeah like i like sort of like re- repeated um like like albert eiler how he sort of takes these phrases and repeats them that's like something that's been really influential to me and hmm. um like sunny Chirac, uh just like certain sort of styles that he does it's just, it's just super cool obviously lou reed like listening to the um the uh the legendary amp tapes and stuff it's like I love that. And I, and I've always like, I, I've always loved the cramps. I've, I've always loved, like when I started teaching myself guitar, I was sort of teaching myself more like folk and finger picking stuff, but it's just like not really where I gravitate to when I play. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm like too kind of like hard on the instrument. Like I'm not delicate. <laughs> um, and uh, so I don't know, like it feels, it feels sort of like, um like ecstatic like it gets ecstatic for me which is good and I kind of just sort of let let it go through me and let my fingers do it and apparently it comes out bluesy which you know like I've been trying to sort of yeah that's funny I like I would only I mean there's uh, the two times I saw you played solo um there was a piece that was definitely like a blues riff the other stuff I would I don't think I would describe as blues yeah Um, okay that's cool like i mean rock and roll is rooted in sort of yeah right exactly yeah structurally so i i get that but also um and it's don't worry it's not i i'm not like offended or anything i'm Mm -hmm. it's it it is what it is and a lot of other people have said that too but um but yeah the the rock and roll thing that i was doing where it's sort of like your classic 12 bar blues thing I, i think i'm just at the point where i'm like i don't i i really am just like trying to like I genuinely love this and I you know if I was like playing it with a full band and playing it all clean like I'm not I don't love that (laughs) yeah but like there's something about just sort of um just sort of like like I know that it's you know like at first it's like yeah I know that people aren't gonna think this is cool but but I've learned that like no matter what you have to just kind of like trust and lean into it and and like go all the way and then you can decide after you're done you can decide if it's good or not you know but like if you're not just gonna lean in and go all the way then like you're not you're i just don't think you're gonna get to any new place you know you you nailed it right there like 
So I, I described it to, to Ashley and those guys is like, it was like vulnerable and you just leaned into it and you're like, fuck it. I'm just playing this. Yeah. And you sort of are taking those pieces that we, we assigned to a rock band and you pulled it out and you're playing solo and you're like, you know, it's kind of recontextualized not to get, you know, but, and, and you just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. And that thing that does something to us um, that then you sort of forget like, Oh, that's a piece that I normally hear a rock band doing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It kind of reminded me of Jim O'Rourke would do that. um, Especially he did, he did some sampling things where he would take a riff of ACDC and Alan Licht has done this over the, over the years too. Yeah. Um, He, in fact, Van Halen, speaking of Van Halen, he has a new covers record coming out where he redid like jump. Oh, cool. Um, So that's different (laughs) than his old stuff that used to be kind of more sample based. This is him like reinterpreting what jump could sound like Americana style. Yeah. Okay. But getting back to O'Rourke, he would take those riffs uh, and, you know, there's nothing more raw than like ACDC riffs when Mm -hmm. it comes to rock yeah uh, and he would loop them and you sort of your brain all of a sudden it becomes like a steve reich piece (laughs) as opposed to totally you know acdc rock song totally Um, yes it it really it it does it grows into something else and it's um if the thing that i'm like playing and repeating isn't um it has to like i have to be able to play it relatively well and like have love it enough to like let myself go within it so that it Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. can can morph into whatever it's like morphing into and like I like genuinely absolutely love playing you know 12 bar blues or regular rock and roll like uh you know like wild thing or you know stooges songs even like the velvet underground like they they're that's like totally rock like yeah yeah you know he used to write for the brill building and like it's like definitely very very much based in like rock and roll and then also it's just lou reed's like personal weirdness is is in it too and like yeah i mean it's definitely like i've in jamming with a lot of different people like i've started playing stuff like that and they're all kind of like it makes them uncomfortable they're like really like what are we doing <laughs> <laughs> so you know if other people don't want to do it with me i'll just do it by myself <laughs> that's great yeah they'd <laughs> be like wait what's going on we're gonna be <laughs> yeah. a weird band yeah yeah <laughs> yeah oh that's awesome <laughs> yeah thank you I, yeah uh, i appreciate it um yeah that's everything i have uh so yeah i want to thank you for your time and uh joining the podcast and uh, hopefully we uh, can catch up again at some point maybe in the spring sounds good yeah i I would love that that'd be awesome i hope you guys come come to town and play again yeah yeah yeah. um all right cool well Well, thank you so much for uh for having me on the podcast yeah yeah it was great yeah thanks for uh giving me the time Yeah, so I want to thank Emily again for uh, giving me the time. Uh, we had that very long non-musical intro where we kind of jabbed on about all things Philly and stuff like that. I was going to cut that, but I decided to keep it. I kind of like that conversation. Uh, what you heard uh, at the beginning of the show was uh, two tracks from her How to Moonwalk LP on Petty Bunko. Uh, first was Here Come the Arrows of Fortune and then Deeper Than Dust. 
And then uh, what you're hearing in the background here is the RRR band, a track called Ninth Street Suite. That's from a self-titled cassette on Petty Bunko. Um, I mentioned earlier on uh, Emily and Richie uh, playing a stew palette together, or RRR band together, but they also play in a stew palette together. So uh, we're going to listen to this track, then we're going to listen to a track called No Queen from the Astute Palette LP, uh, self-titled LP on Petty Bunko. And then we're going to finish up the show with the uh, a track from her split tour cassette with Bill Nace that came out um, mid-summer, early summer this year. Uh, it's a, from what I could tell, untitled track, and that was a very limited uh, tour cassette that they put out. So uh, thanks again for listening. You can check out other shows up on MyTeethNeedAttention.com. Follow us on Instagram at MyTeethNeedAttention. And uh, I do have another interview in the can. I just need to edit it, get it out there at some point. And this interview is going to be with David Nance. I was very excited to uh, grab David. We had a little uh, scheduling snafus over the fall, and then uh, we finally hooked up and did an interview and yeah he was great to talk to so look uh keep your eyes out for that thing that'll be coming out i don't know probably in a couple weeks unless i get off my can and get it done soon um tons and tons of david nance material out there uh he was on various top lists for uh 2022 including my own so uh keep an eye out for that thanks again for listening uh this is my teeth need attention And uh, we'll see you next time around. All right. Bye.